1: Mark Twain
0: said, suppose you were an idiot, and suppose you were a member of Congress, but I repeat myself. Now that's a good quote, and we laugh just so we won't cry. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. It's my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hi. And uh, if you're new here, you know, don't let the religionless name fool you. Very religious, very Christian folks here. But the world we live in is not. Um, Very secular, very religionless. And that's where the name comes from. And we do our best every week to help Christians sort of navigate the news, the world around them, and, you know figure out how to digest it all and live a life that's pleasing to God in the midst of it. So um, we're going to do our best on that today, like we always do. And um, what that means is today we'll be discussing the news as we always do, of course, looking at the news of the week. And then we want to um, go into a podcast review. So we've been listening to a podcast That's been released recently. We wanna review the first episode of that. It's a five part series. We're just gonna be discussing the first episode. And then we'll be moving on into our Bible topic at the end of the show here, um, talking about assurance of salvation number three. So you can go find the other um, first two points uh, if you just look back through the show. And uh, we also have our road to salvation on there. So you can see how to get saved. Then how to figure out that you are saved, right? Those are important things for Christians. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. But before we get to all of that, is there anything you would like to say?
2: Yes. Please pray for Spencer's mom. She'll be driving here, spend holiday, Thanksgiving with us. She's just so brave, driving across the country. <laughs> all by herself.
0: I hope the other drivers are brave <laughs> as well on the highway with her.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, we're always talking about what's going on with the military, but now we have maybe opportunity for a location we didn't consider. We weren't thinking about it, but now Albuquerque is a possibility and we're not opposed to that. But we want God's will, not our will. so. Just pray that, um, yeah, just keep praying for God's will in wherever Spencer is supposed to be working, wherever they need him, but what would be good for us spiritually, too, and for our family. So appreciate that.
0: Yeah, please pray for us. There's a potential move in the near future, um, which would be very near. And like you said, back to New Mexico, not something we were thinking about. We were hoping to spend the rest of my career here in Florida. That may not be the case. Um, So just pray that it would be good however it works out. There's still a chance we could stay here, um, but we'll see what happens. So just pray for us there. You know, we've actually, you know, we've grown leaps and bounds spiritually in our short time here in Florida. Um, Our lives look dramatically different. In the last year and a half since coming here, so we're blessed because of that, grateful. you know, but the fear is you're stepping back out into the unknown right away from sort of these um, really these rocks of faith that we've come to know in our um, community here, the small church, all that sort of stuff has been really bl- a big blessing for us. so we'd be leaving that, not to mention New Mexico is a <laughs> hellscape of a place you know politically yeah. speaking about elections we're going to talk about here soon um they were one of the worst states in the country during covid yep. um, and in typical 2022 american fashion they reelected the same governor that ruined them for those two years because why wouldn't you right at um, least
2: when we were in clovis we were really close to texas
0: that is true and we
2: could leave new mexico and at least go to like some stores and shopping without having to wear a mask. And a lot of people did that.
0: Right. So there was that blessing.
2: Albuquerque, we're like right yeah. in the middle of the state. We, So if things got crazy again, it's not a quick drive into Texas.
0: <laughs> right. So just pray for us there, you know, however things work out. Mostly that our faith would remain strong. We would continue walking this path that we're on. Um, that's the most important. So um, let's get our plugs out of the way here. You guys know we are the biggest fans of Cardinal Contingency Solutions. Cannot recommend their services highly enough. If you, man, I mean, it doesn't really make a difference. If you're a boss of any type, I think learning sort of these skills that come with, I don't know how to, how to Manage your words properly. <laughs> I think it's a good way to say it. It's very important. Um, you know, we live in a day now where, man, people are looking to to sue everybody, to you know, blast you on social media everywhere. You know, and we live in a society now where forgiveness is really non-existent. So it's not really a case anymore where you can just go, eh, I'm sorry, I said that, and everyone lets it go. Right? You know, they're looking to punish you now because of what you say. And you know, you look at the Kyrie Irving, Kanye West incident uh, incidents, they're looking to punish you for what you think now, you think the wrong things they are coming after you. Um, so you want to make sure that you're choosing your words carefully. Um, and a lot of that comes with just preparation, being aware of what you're stepping into. Uh, and that's just sort of the messaging aspect of what Cardinal can do. You know, we've talked a lot about If you have a ministry or missionary type work, please, these guys are contingency experts. And I don't say that loosely. They are the best in the world at what they do. See if they have something that they can put together to help you, to help your ministry, your missionary teams. Uh, I'm certain you will be pleased with what you get back from them. And of course, we are proud members here of the Christian Podcast community. And I meant to pull this up. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Because just recently, Andrew Rappaport on, I believe it was his Theology Throwdown. Let's see if it's up here. Yeah, they actually petitioned, you know, hey, what should we talk about on Theology Throwdown? And I mentioned, how about you talk about Roman Catholicism? Because we had just been in a debate, um, not really too much of a debate, but kind of a Facebook back and forth with a Catholic lady and just kind of trying to, you know, explain things, open people's eyes to that. And you can see there was a lot of people. It's kind of funny, you know, with social media, a whole lot of people in the conversation, but nobody really contributing, Mm -hmm. which tells you, they're really desperate for the answers. They just don't like have them. So you know, you get 4050 people that are in the comment section, really like hoping that you can illuminate some of this stuff that these Catholic people are saying. Mm -hmm. that you know, isn't true, but you really don't know how to articulate it. Um, And Andrew Rappaport, very intelligent man. He's actually written books about the Catholic faith. So you can go on Theology Throwdown. He did uh, email me and he said like, hey, man, since you, you know, mentioned this topic, I'm assuming you're going to be here, right? (laughs) And unfortunately, they do these on Monday nights, which is when I do my jail ministry. So I can't be there. um, But recommend you guys go give that a listen. Um, Every week, there's a new uh, theological topic with just Christian podcast community members weighing in on it, talking about it.
2: It would be fun to join one day.
0: Maybe someday. I mean, well, you know, if I move out of here into New Mexico, and the jail ministry isn't Monday nights anymore, maybe we'll be on there. So we'll see how that goes. But go give Mm -hmm. them a like a subscribe. And the great thing is, if you um, subscribe to Chris, uh, the Christian podcast community on Apple, Spotify, wherever it happens to be, you know, you get access to 60 or so Christian podcasters all talking about good stuff. So go do that. Um, last thing I will mention, you know, um, support for the show. If you feel so inclined, we have links down in the show notes to, you know, things like, Buy me a coffee if you just want to help support the show. Or there's also affiliate links down there to ChristianBooks.com. You know, go buy some Christian material there. And we also have the newest link down there is to BestBuy.com, which seems like kind of a weird one, but I know a lot of people buy electronics, like to buy electronics. You know, so that's an easy way for you to get some of the stuff you need. And I recommend Best Buy as somebody who buys a lot of computer and podcasting equipment. They've got maybe the best return policy um, out there, really. It's kind of like a 45-day return for whatever reason you want. So recommend Best Buy, and better than that, they're not Amazon. So they're most likely not going to take your money and pay one of their employees to go get an abortion in California. So that's why we have the affiliate links that we have. Now, again, you never know what they're going to do, but you can only you know pick and choose so much what satanic global corporation you're going to partner with.
2: I know um, it's just like the lesser.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to avoid Amazon. That's why we have Christian books and we have um, Best Buy. And then we also have links on there for the t-shirts. You know, I'm wearing the first John 2:22, 22, who is the liar. Um, but he would deny that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, we have links to our t-shirts. You guys can go pick those up. If you prefer, we make a small you know, I think a couple bucks maybe off of a t shirt. Um, So that would help us out. And we would certainly appreciate all of it. And last plug, before we dive into the grotesque news of the week, Um, we've mentioned, we would like to take whatever little amount of um, advertising revenue we make from our podcast for this year. Um, It looks like it's going to be around $300. We look, you know, we want to find two or three people to just bless over the holiday seasons with sort of a gift box of sort, you know, some Christian material, gift cards, stuff like that, just to bless them unexpectedly. So if you know somebody in your life, a cousin, a friend, a next door neighbor that you think, you know, maybe they need to hear about God, maybe they're close, or maybe they're just really struggling, and it could bless them and their family to get You know, some gift cards and stuff for their children. Mm -hmm. Let us know. Um, We want to send that stuff out. And if we don't get anybody um, to, you know, offer up any names or suggestions to us, we'll have to find something else to do with it. You know, our hope is just to give all that money back to the Lord for the first year and um, bless people in some way. So please reach out to us, email us, social media comment section whatever happens to be and while you're down there you know what you might as well just drop a like subscribe follow leave us a nice comment all those things that help the algorithm overlords that govern (laughs) our lives so all right that was a long intro but we're here now that was time for you to catch your breath to gird up your loins and steal your soul as we get ready to take our weekly trek through the valley of the shadow of death and take a look at the news of the week. And this week, you know, there was really only one big news story. Um, Unless you, I don't know, live under a rock, you realize that there was an election this week. So we had our sort of midterm elections going on this year. And that kind of took the bulk of the news for the week. And really, well, I guess I'll ask you, did you really have any sense? Because you're not terribly plugged into this stuff as much as I am. Did you have any sense of how these elections should have turned out going into the midterms?
2: Um, I mean, you'd think that people just do know just have sense or they've learned <laughs> they've learned something but it's kind of proven that they haven't it just shows the people they've made up their mind there's no change in people's minds
0: no when you live in a romans one culture where we have debased minds and we've given over to depravity it's hard to judge what people are going to do so uh, much of the news going into the midterms. You know, they were projecting, you know, a red wave, a red tsunami, you know, a red hurricane, whatever was coming, right? Complete switch in governance over to the Republican Party. That's what they were per, uh, really projecting. Most of the polls were kind of showing that. Most of the pundits were saying that. I think there was even talk of, you know, Elon Musk telling people to go vote Republican. Joe Rogan was saying it. Um, <laughs> Even Colin Cowherd, I've talked about, he was saying a red wave is coming. Um, but, and if, you know, and like you said, it would make sense. In a sane world, yeah, that's what you would expect, because the two years so far under President Biden have been an utter disaster. You know, we've got inflation through the roof. We got children being sexualized and butchered at alarming rates, you know, uh, the world at large has become a much less stable place. Obviously, we know what goes on and wh- what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine. Um, so normally, you know, that would be what the pundits in the polls expected, a sort of red wave. People aren't happy with what's going on. Get the other party in here. Um, mm-hmm. But yep. that didn't happen, you know, by and large. So we're filming this a little bit earlier, you know, so by the time this releases, more of these results are going to come out. um, So we have a better understanding, but it looks like the Republican party, you know, they may, or they're most likely going to take the Congress. Um, The Senate is up in the air. It may come down to a runoff election in December in Georgia that decides the Senate. So it's kind of, you know, coming down to the wire there in the Senate, but you know, either way, Uh, It looks like it's going to be, you know, the Republicans have one, maybe two houses of Congress, not really too sure there. Um, And then the governor races are still sort of up in the air at this point. Um, You know, we're hoping at least Cary Lake, you know, Governor DeSantis won in a landslide down here, which makes us sad to leave Florida. You know, the free state of Florida currently, the most probably free place on planet earth right now is florida um and new mexico is not that so (laughs) but that's kind of what happened um and i think first thing we have to quit looking at polls and really experts on this stuff i mean ever since 2016 it seems like um they're just wrong a lot you know and I think not only are we as people becoming increasingly sort of politicized, but, you know, like we kind of mm-hmm. talked about, we live in a time of chaos on so many levels in our society, you know, it's everywhere, it's infecting everything. So I think it would make sense that it affects our elections as well. I mean, there's no reason why, why they, not? yeah, especially because the agents of chaos <laughs> seem to, you know, be rampant in our government. So it makes sense that the very people stoking the chaos would lead to chaotic outcomes in their election. So that just makes sense. Um, But I think also to a larger point, really, um, to me, at least it speaks to what we've discussed a lot here, you know, we're a nation in collapse. <laughs> you know, I think we're sort of, you know, riding this puppy into the ground, it seems like, you know, it was Reminiscent, you know the old story of i think it's nero playing the fiddle while rome burns kind of a thing uh, i feel like that's kind of yeah. where we're at right now um you know other people may argue and i'm hope i'm i hope i'm wrong certainly but that's definitely the indication that you get um, it's
2: just people's heart it's like nothing's gonna change for the better as long as people keep loving wickedness you know? Right.
0: There's I mean, no hope. it just goes hand in hand. You know, we talk about the polls on here all the time of people continue to lose their faith in God in this country. And the more people that walk away from God, the more chaos is going to be injected into it.
2: It's like you can't teach morality outside the gospel. Like the gospel is the answer. You can't convince people to make good choices once they're, you know, the way they're thinking, what's going to turn their thinking around.
0: No, and they're not even trying to. I mean, the replacement for the Christian gospel in this country is secular, you know, yeah. humanism and materialism, you know, put your Bible down and go buy an iPhone. Um, that's really been the replacement. And it's led to a lot of chaos, a lot of damage, a lot of sin. Um, and yeah, I think we're largely a nation, you know, that seems to have been, seems to be ruled by Satan and his hordes in many respects. Um, So again, that would make sense, then that chaos is reigning, Um, because God is a God of order, and Satan is an agent of chaos. So wherever you see chaos reigning, you can just assume, um, you know, that's not a godly place, (laughs) typically. And uh, so I just want to make a few points, um, really on the overall election, you can jump in here, honey, if you want to. And then we'll get into more specific outcomes of the elections. So the first thing, I think not getting a red wave is a good thing for the nation, especially for us believers, you know, which, you know, is certainly something a lot of us hope for. And I'll say even I, you know, was hopeful that we would kind of push back on this radical agenda. But I think it's good because my fear would be, you know, sort of a red tsunami, red hurricane, whatever you want to call it would cause us to let our guard down, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in this sort of disastrous, horrendous situation that we're in as a nation, it's not going to be fixed by politicians Um, because politicians, you know, they're just a reflection of their constituents. Mm -hmm. They're a reflection of the people who elect them. Um, So we can't expect that, you know, I'm going to go and elect person X and then they're going to go and get to work fixing the problems in this nation. It's just, you're not going to pass a bill to fix what ails us Mm -hmm. um, as a nation. You know, we've talked before, we're in a spiritual war, you know, as the Mm -hmm. Bible calls them, the principalities and the powers. Um, So what we really need in a red wave in time, maybe will be a blessing. But today, you know, what we really need is, you know, inspired People like we have been for the last two years, really inspired by the wickedness, um, to get out and share, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to convert the unregenerate hearts. You know, we've talked before; six percent of this country has a biblical worldview. That means there's really about ninety-four percent of this country that needs to hear the gospel. Oh my! Um, and we need to be calling those people and this nation as a whole back into adherence to God. Um, back in alignment with his commands. And I really think a red wave would have caused us to sort of throttle back on that.
2: I agree. Yeah, I do.
0: Because so many churches have been fired up. You know, the the Christians have been getting out once we start seeing what they're doing to our children, um, all this sort of stuff. And you don't want to just think, "Whoo, boy, you know, Carrie Lake got elected, so that means my job is done. No, you need to increase <laughs> what we're what we've been doing. It needs to go up to the next level rather than being throttled back.
2: And I think we need to keep in mind. I think we get so caught up in the country as a whole and just all the wickedness, and we don't want laws passed. Um, that are going to continue to allow wickedness. And as Christians, that does become our focus, you know, for the nation or to save the children, you know. But it's like the same time, it's like we need to be preaching the gospel. Like it's not just so horrible that kids are being mutilated with this gender reassignment surgery or kids are being aborted. It's that people are going to hell. And I just pray that we don't lose focus. And we think of the gospel and think of getting the gospel to these people. That We care more about that than we do about laws.
3: Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: I just, I just want our, the church, like you said, the church is so political and talks, you know, gets caught up in it, but.
0: Yeah. And we're all liable to get swept away and caught up. And that's the fear. To not lose our focus, that the gospel is what needs to be preached, right? And then once that comes about, then out of that will be birthed sound yeah. policy. Like we don't fight stuff like that.
2: Like our our battle is not political, and I think we forget that. We're like, oh, God wins because this law, you know, went in our favor, and that isn't God winning. That isn't no, Christians winning. The We're souls are Also,
0: a lot less likely to really chastise and hold your elected representative accountable, if they sort of, you know, that's who you voted for. You know, we always want to chastise the other the opposition party. And then we kick them out of office or whatever and put our guy in and then they can do no wrong.
3: Yeah, and that's
0: not the case. These guys need to be held feet to the fire. Because as we've talked about here, and I'm a firm believer, anybody that would run for these offices, you know senator congressman especially presidents that just by its nature probably means they're the wrong person for the job <laughs> if you have an ego big enough to think you can be president of the united states you need to be held to a much stricter level mm-hmm. of you know scrutiny and stuff like that so we still want to be holding these people accountable um so i think that's a blessing in a sense um cuz you know Where we've been, and this was maybe another thought that I had. um, Well, we'll get to the second thought first or in a second. Where we've been the last two years, you know, in the face of such wickedness, we've really been tuned in, like we've been saying. And again, we need to be there going forward. Um, Can't rest on our laurels. Can't say we won an election, Mm -hmm. you know, so the things Mm -hmm. are going to be good now. We have a whole, you know, we took the House, we took the Senate we're good, right? Because it took decades of depravity to get us to where we are. Um, It's going to take decades of righteous living, and really righteous activism, if you want to call it that, to get us back on track. Um, Because it's not elect a senator and things are good. Now we got to get godly men and women in positions. uh, And that doesn't mean you got to elect a pastor to be your mayor. But people that have a moral um, conscience to start with, And then letting and really empowering your churches and the righteous men and women to influence our political leaders um, to govern justly, govern virtuously, and that sort of thing. So, and that, you know, is far more uh, likely to happen on a local level than just, oh, I elected whatever, you know, senator, and now we're good. No, they're worried about national stuff. You need to really change things on the ground in your local area. So um, it's going to take a long time. So we can't rest on our laurels. And I think that's a blessing here. And secondly, um, do you want to read? I'm going to start or we're going to start by having Nikki just read this section of scripture here. And then I'll make my second point that I thought of overall. So do you want to read or do you want me to read it?
2: I'll read it. Um, I was just looking at the names. Can I pronounce all these names? Yeah, give us <laughs> a little bit of grace, bit
0: of, you know, anou- or pronouncing those Old Testament names.
2: Oh, it's always risky. Too bad. Okay. So Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 49 to 52. Go up this mountain of the Abiram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of... Land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession, and die on the mountain which you go up, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I'm giving to the people of Israel.
0: Mm. Yep. So that's sort of God explained to Moses, you're not going into the promised land. And, Mm. you know, I've had this thought for a little while, something I've been pondering, not sure if it's true, or if I'm completely off base. And there's always that risk whenever you go, well, this is just like us in scripture. And they're like, yeah. all right, settle down. Yeah. But the baby boomer generation, as we've talked about before, is maybe the most wicked generation in American history. Um, they've brought about more wickedness on this land in their time than really any other time in our history. So my thought, you know, was kind of likening them to the Israelites in Moses's generation. You know, like he says here, you can go up and see the promised land. I'm not letting you into the promised land. And um, it was just my thought, you know, they, they can sort of see what is beginning now, this swelling of sort of patriotism and This small but really passionate group of believers that are beginning to turn back to God, it seems like um, finding a newfound like fervor for God in these younger generations. We've talked just recently about all over the world, young kids are wanting to know more about God. Um, So, this swelling up of this fervor towards God and patriotism is starting to grow. Um, But my thought was maybe they may not be allowed. To witness really the full godly revival, or if you want to call it an awakening in this land, because of the wickedness that they've brought.
2: Well, there are all those modern day prophets saying something's coming, something's coming. But yeah, maybe that generation won't see it. I don't know. It is just, you know, guessing. Not that you're not that we're prophesying.
0: (laughs) No, it's just you know, when you talk about, and obviously, you know, God will have mercy on whom he has mercy, all of that. But, you know, if you want to talk about maybe justice, you know, a nation that or a generation that's brought us such untold levels of wickedness, they don't just get to in the end, be like, oops, our bad. Can we be a part of this awakening too, like, And it's a shame. There's good men and women in that. And again, I could be wildly off base, and I probably am.
2: And what's the point in knowing whether or not that's true? It's just a a thought with it. Just
0: a thought I had. Be curious to your guys' thoughts. I'm probably sure everyone's going to tell me, no, that's not even close to how God operates. And I'm probably being heretical. But just a thought. (laughs) Um, So let us know what you think in the comments. Leave us a review
2: yeah not um, comparing
0: leave us a America review for is being, the promised land <laughs> no, no, not the promised land, just the idea of such wicked people, um, yeah. again, being allowed to see the the swelling of patriotism and love for God, but you know being held out of seeing the actual revival and awakening um, yeah, just a thought I had, but um. So on to specifics from the election. So the first election (laughs) that I think is worth mentioning, um, it really just speaks to, I think, the broken nature of our political process. And that's Pennsylvania. Um, (laughs) Pennsylvania elected a dead man this Tuesday. And I'm not even talking about John Fetterman. They elected Tony DeLuca. This article down here will tell you um, he died a month before the election. But no worries, he won the election with over 85% of the vote. (laughs) It was an overwhelming victory for a dead man. Um, But then you add on to that the fact that John Fetterman did win the Senate seat In the state of Pennsylvania, um, who has, and not trying to disparage the man, he had a stroke and has obvious signs of brain damage. No worries, though. He won the election.
2: Which may seem shocking, but Pennsylvania also went for President Biden in 2020 when he showed clear signs of dementia.
0: How dare you! The man is sharper than he's ever been. Yeah, so Pennsylvania. Um, I mean, it's really hard to conclude anything other than they're just lost to the satanic left. I mean, again, it's just basically I see a D on the sheet, I check mm-hmm. the box, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Is the guy dead? What does it matter to me? Is he a Democrat? I'll take a dead Democrat <laughs> over the Green Party or whatever else was running. Like, um, so They're just lost to the spirit of the age. And whether it's on purpose or if you want to say, well, it's by fraud. Either way, it's irrelevant. They're lost. They're gone. Um, So Mm. that one was pretty shocking just to be like, goodness gracious. They I mean, again, I would not have voted for Mehmet Oz. I mean, he's a transhumanist. um, Weirdo should not have been a member of our uh, Republican Party. And he should not have been endorsed in any way. But again, we have a, a bit of a broken two-party system as it is. And, but even still, I mean, John Fetterman needs to get help, like medical help, <laughs> not to be in the Senate. Hmm. You know, the man had a stroke. So the state's lost. Um, God have mercy on the state of Pennsylvania and all the believers there. But more importantly than Pennsylvania, abortion was on the ballot this year. Um, In many places, and sadly, in many places, they voted to support um, the murder of children. And that even isn't the whole story, because they even went further than that in some places. You know, in Montana, uh, they voted To let new babies die rather than keep them alive. So, in this story here, again, it'll be linked in the show notes. You can see um, the votes against. So,
2: Hmm.
0: do you want to read these two paragraphs, honey?
2: Voters were asked to approve a law declaring an embryo or fetus is a legal person with a right to medical care if born prematurely or survives an attempted abortion. It did not pass in the general election. Montana LR 131, known as the medical care requirement for born-alive infants, it would have made law viable. Born-alive infants may not be deprived of medically appropriate and reasonable medical treatment. Providing penalties, repealing section.
0: Yeah, who cares? Uh, Yeah. Providing an immediate effective plan. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't even realize this before when I read this article, you know, because I thought when I read through it, basically the law was, that they were voting on is, if you try to have an abortion and the child survives, should it get medical care? First off, that abortion is legal, is heinous and sinful and demonic. But then they say, well, if the baby somehow avoids the butcher's clause, and the mom who desires to kill it, and somehow by the grace of God makes it out of that horror chamber and is alive, they're just going to let it die anyways. That's sick and sinful enough. But (laughs) when you read through that again, it said premature children as well. So it says in there, Voters were asked to approve a law declaring an embryo or fetus is a legal person with a right to medical care if born prematurely (laughs) or survives an attempted abortion. So they're like, you know what, that preemie baby, it's a lot of medical bills. Go ahead and let that baby die. So it starve to death while it cries for its mom. Um, So sickness. I mean, that's Montana. That's not even you'd expect that sort of you know, wickedness and sinfulness in California, a gateway to hell. But in Montana, and again, maybe there was some subtle nuance in the bill that made it. But I just can't imagine.
2: Yeah, with all these. Yeah, with the elections and stuff and the things people vote on. If it wasn't for these, like, we really wouldn't know the numbers of like, how wicked people are you know what i mean like because of this we know yeah that over percentage of, of
0: people- the voters in montana were like look if i try to kill my baby and it doesn't die just go ahead and let it bleed out and die after it's out of my body
2: right it's out of your body it's no more my body my choice now. you can't say that now it's Not in your body, so what do you what's your argument then?
0: Um, I want you to murder my child so that it doesn't inconvenience me, is the argument.
2: It's no longer, um, women's health care, you can't call that women's health care.
0: You call it what it is child sacrifice, so Mm -hmm. um, and really. Maybe the most disappointing race to us, (laughs) only because it's personal to us. Um, Michigan, they also voted to usher in a new era of Moloch worship and child sacrifice. They reelected Governor Whitmer. And, um, you know, she was a governor that imposed some of the strictest uh, COVID lockdowns in the nation. She supported vaccine mandates. Um,
2: You think that alone would be enough?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm convinced very large numbers of people in this nation hate the idea of freedom because it comes with responsibilities. Mm. Um, And they don't want it. They just want to be taken care of. They just want the government to make them feel safe to support them, to make sure they have their needs met.
2: And what are their needs? Um, hmm.
0: Yeah, new phones, cars. Um, like, just lock me in my house, make me put a diaper on my face. They and just want to be a spoiled okay. child. And then send me a stimulus check, right? Yeah. Because she had some of the harshest COVID restrictions in the nation. I think they lost the most small businesses in oh. the entire country. Um, so life's ruined. You know, like I said, she supports vaccine mandates um, and at least again here, like in Montana, um, and this is just from the outside looking in and reading a few articles, her reelection was based mainly on her promise that women could continue killing their children in Michigan.
2: Um, wow. And she knew that that's what would get her re-elected. That was her pledge. She knew that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And you knew that was the case. I mean, in most of these Democrat um, states and districts, abortion was their number one selling point.
2: You got to know your people and your state.
0: I mean, <laughs> it's, it's what crazy, they wanted. Right? So Michigan voted to support the continuation of what seems to be complete and utter societal collapse. And in return,
2: that
3: is you so can weird. get
0: restrictionless and endless child sacrifice.
2: Usually you elect people because they improve for the good of society. Is this to them the good of society?
0: Well, I think, who was it? Ben Franklin, James Madison, who said that a republic, you can only, I'm paraphrasing, but you can only basically um, keep a republic if you're a moral and virtuous people. Um, We are not that in this nation by and large and elections like this highlight that um, because, yeah, what do you want from people, I want to not be burdened um, with a child, I I have my life to live, I want to be sexually immoral, and I don't want to have consequences. So, again, that's how you get a governor like Governor Whitmer that runs on. Child sacrifice is their main selling point. Wow and she Gosh. wins reelection, right? And again, we know this because not only did they elect Governor Whitmer, but in Michigan, they voted, I think overwhelmingly for proposition three, which basically allows for almost the loosest abortion standards in the nation and maybe around the world. Um, I mean it's almost just unfettered abortion in a Michi- in Michigan right now um so Well done, Michigan. Um, You are going to be in competition with New York and California as, um, you know, the toilet bowl of hell.
2: Isn't that crazy? The Planned
0: Parenthood dumpster of hell.
2: It's a shame. Like, that's where we grew up. And it's one of them. It's, It's equal with California, New York now.
0: But they said that. I think, you know, when I read it and I've heard other people mention it, the people going to the polls in Michigan stated that abortion access was their number one issue. That is, again, civilizationally (laughs) collapsing. Um, To be a group of people that selfish, that your number one issue is the ability to murder your own children so that you can maintain your current lifestyle.
2: What were number one issues like 10 years ago? What did people care about then?
0: Well, and again, in the society we're in now, you know, it might even be because again, inflation's up, things are more expensive. It might be, I need help providing for my child. That's an important issue. Now this is, I need low cost childcare. I need, you know, increased food benefits to support my children. Now it's just, can you kill the kid? What if he's born alive? Can you still kill him? You got my vote.
3: Wow. That's
0: that's Genesis six type stuff. That is like Lord flood the earth. I know. I'm just like,
2: the reason people would care about that, this shows how many people hate children. How many people only think of themselves first. If you would not um, sacrifice for the life of a child, then you you can't be counted on to do good to anyone. You know, you can't be trusted to be a teacher or babysitter, in my opinion. You, you don't value the life of children. And I do not trust you to ever be in the care of children. And Jesus says, no greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for his friends. Children are the most, they're the most vulnerable they're the most easy to love and they're innocent, undeserving of hatred. Yet they are hated the most. Like people would die to save their dog, but they're not going to sacrifice, you know, their life to save children, you know, their conveniences, whatever it is they want. It's just just what a bunch of weak, spineless people that we have in Michigan and everywhere, really. Just it's just so disappointing. Like people literally hate kids.
0: And that's what I mean by, you know, saying a red wave, whatever, come in could dissuade us from doing what needs to be done. Because even if a red wave comes in or whatever, and some of these ballot measures don't win, the people's heart are still there. Their heart is still in a wicked place to hate and kill children, to love and idolize themselves. That's got to be combated on a spiritual level.
2: And it's like, really, I used to think it wasn't such a big deal. Like, oh, they took God out of the school. No more prayer, no more. Really, that is huge because that's where kids, they're they're learning the most. And if they're not being taught God, number one, they never even hear people in their life talk about God. He's not talked about at home. But in the school, they could have learned about God.
0: Well, right, they're so it really is, they're not made in God's image. They're just a clump of cells that came from a fish 100 million years ago. And what does it make a difference? And so why would you like value life?
2: Yeah, because they're they're afraid of the next generation is what it is. It's like, just get rid. We just kill them all. You know, we got the ones brain, these ones brainwashed. Don't let any new ones come in. We don't want any new thinkers.
0: (laughs) Well, again, we could tell you why we think this is a larger play. But again, we would get our video banned from YouTube. Um, Yeah, but I mean, it really is just. And obviously, I would say that there's larger, you know, global forces um, at play, right? Um, You know, the spirit of the age is not just contained to America, but on an individual level, I mean, it's just a level of selfishness and self-idolatry that I'm willing to sacrifice anything, my own kids, relationships, whatever, so that I can have my best life. Um,
2: and these people are going to get to the end of their life, you know. And they're not going to be happy with what they did. Like, it's not just the kids that are aborted. it's Everyone who who fed into that lie right,
0: like which is why much- we should have a love and compassion in our heart, not harden our hearts towards them. Um, I mean, it's disgusting and it does make you angry. We've probably talked too harsh on this episode already, so forgive us if we've said things that have been too offensive for you, um, but the abortion industry, um, the child mutilation industry gets under our skin greatly, but these people need to be shown the error of their ways um, and that only comes through the gospel that only comes through scripture because apart from god apart from you know really christian morals life has no value so you know you can't take an atheist and have them tell you why killing your child is a bad thing now why wouldn't you kill it if it meant you could have a better life
2: yeah but what about anybody else who's in the way of your your better life you don't value your own child, you're a dangerous person. Like, I don't want to come across to you. I don't want to be an inconvenience to you because, you know, you have no heart. What are you going to do to me? What are you gonna to do to someone else? It's not just baby. Like, like I said, if you hate babies, you've got a hard heart towards everybody. You're like, you're a scary person.
0: I would agree with that. So, you know, if you live in a place like Michigan, you know, Pennsylvania, as we just talked about, obviously, California, New York, and you have the ability to move, I would tell you to consider it. Um, Because these are places of deep depravity. Um, Like it is run deep, deep wickedness. And I think, you know, if you need to be like Lot, and just get your family, get out. Um, Rescue them from Sodom. Get out get to a place where you, you know, actually have a chance to live free, live in a morally at least neutral place that's not just, you know, a zip code in hell, basically. Um, Because I think that that's a a mindset a lot of people have, you know, like, I'm not giving up, I'm a fighter, I'm going to stay here and fight in California. Why? Why? I don't, I mean. You know, because even if you talk about it just on a purely political, if the three or four million Californians that were voting Republican would move out to Nevada, to Arizona, um, you know, these places, you could have them be Florida. That's way more valuable than you just going and, you know, trying to keep your kids from having their genitals cut off by their high school and junior high teachers. Nothing's going to change without the gospel. Like,
2: you're not going to do it. You're not going to convince people. You're not going to change people's hearts. People aren't going to vote different
0: without. And nobody wins a war by spreading their forces thin. (laughs) You've got to coalesce your forces um, to make a push. So, you know, getting if we had six or seven states in this country that were like Florida, you know, Florida, Texas, and a few more where you could actually sort of you know, make a hard stand against a lot of this stuff, you might have a better shot. But I know that's asking a lot for people it would be asking a lot for us, but something to consider. So yeah, do you have any last thoughts on the election?
2: No, I don't want to speak anymore on that. (laughs) All right.
0: So sort of in light of what we were saying Mm. about the potential for us to lose focus and sort of get lax, if the election kind of tricked us into thinking that we were saved, um, we want to discuss the first episode in a five-part series, and it's being hosted, I think, by the ChristianPost.com, and it's called Gender Indoctrination. That's sort of the overall title of the, ep- of the podcast. Um, and again, this is why I consider the, this election cycle to be a success, um, because it does look like there was a split in power. Like I said, we'll see how it ultimately shakes out between Democrats and Republicans. And really the best place for us to be as a nation, unless you have an overwhelming majority of godly, moral and virtuous men in all the houses, if you don't have that, really the best place to be is a place where you have, you know, split control between the Senate and the Congress and the presidency, because then the hope is You just kind of bring the federal government to a grinding halt. (laughs) Don't let them do anything to screw stuff up, you know, um, because if you just give complete control to one side and they're all Mm -hmm. godless, immoral, power hungry people, it's all to our detriment, really. So, um, you know, but we have real, like we said, spiritual battles that need to be fought and we don't need to lose focus because of an election outcome. And, you know, abortion, as we've kind of just ranted on for the last 20 minutes, is certainly the most important fight that we have going. Um, But that's followed, you know, not close behind, but behind by what we've called and what we've, you know, explained to you guys, the social contagion of the LGBTQ movement. And really that sort of indoctrinating of our children into these sexually immoral lifestyles that has the potential to lead so many of them to hell. Um, And that's really what this podcast from the Christian Post focuses on. Again, like the name implies, gender indoctrination. Um, So we're going to do what we normally do during our reviews, which is first off, recommend that you go give it a listen, because we think it's good and it's not terribly long, about 30-minute episodes. And then we're just going to highlight a few points is, you know, kind of jumping off points for discussion. So first, I want to just play the kind of intro to this podcast to kind of set the tone for what you can expect. So we'll just play that and then we'll get back into it
4: you know I've I've heard people compare this ideology to a cult which I definitely see a lot of cult character traits in this I've I've heard people compare this to the fascism and totalitarianism movements that we've seen in the past and I think there's a lot of that in it but ultimately that this is is even bigger than any of those things because this isn't happening in one cult community this isn't happening in one State. It's not happening in one country. It's not happening on one continent, even. This is global.
0: Yeah. So, like she says there, it's a global issue. Um, obviously, we're mostly focused here in America on what's going on, but certainly it's not contained to America. So, um, the first point that they make in this, and it's really the main focus of this first episode is they really discuss that schools anymore in so many places around the country have really just become indoctrination centers. Um, Now, we've known that for a lot of years as far as government indoctrination and stuff like that, but really indoctrination centers into this sexually immoral lifestyle with the LGBTQ movements. Um, And their main focus in this first episode is on this mother. Um, Her name is... January Little John, which is a nice name. But it's about her experience um, that she had with her daughter, who was in school. And um, just my thought kind of talking about that, right? These are indoctrination centers. And I think when you hear stories like January's, or even us discussing it now, I think you're liable to say, you know, like, well, that's just, you know, one school out of all the schools and my kid's safe. His school isn't like that. And I would just caution against that, you know, especially if you live in a state that isn't Florida or Texas, <laughs> you know, we talked about like Michigan, um, that apparently has a bloodlust for killing children, Montana, uh, apparently, um, California, we know New York, Right. I would not assume that your kids are safe. I mean, unless you are hyper involved in what they're doing, what they're being taught. um, Or if you're a teacher in that school yourself, if you're just a parent sending your kid off to school, do not just assume, well, my kids are safe. And this school isn't like that. Um, Because I think as we're seeing more and more, you're just going to be proven wrong.
2: And I was just thinking on like, People boast about their schools, like, oh, it's a blue ribbon school. I never knew what that meant. Like when the kids went to that elementary school in Alaska. Blue ribbon. I'm like, all right, that must be a good thing, whatever that means. And I think that just has to do with test scores, right?
0: Yeah, it does. (laughs)
2: Like what is like what do you care where your kid goes to school? Like if it's just got high rating for test scores. Like, no, I mean Harvard's like
0: the number one school in America. As a complete godless, you know, atheistic wasteland. Well, great. They apparently are smart. I don't know, but what does that matter? How do
2: you determine if it's a really good, those are really good schools? And I'm like,
0: I went to Harvard and I learned a lot. And I also learned to hate God. Yeah. Well, fantastic. But you're a good engineer, right?
2: Like, I just, yeah. What matters is that, you know, send them to a Christian school.
0: But are you going to be a good little consumer? That's what we want to know. Are you going to get yourself into lots of debt, buy things on credit cards to impress people you don't know? That's what we care about. So, um, but this girl, January Little John, she mentions that her 13 year old daughter, sort of out of nowhere, started having really, you know, gender dysphoric thoughts. If you and want that's to call them old that. 13 years old,
2: like they usually don't have that at that age. Like a beginning beginning having that at that age it's usually like younger right
0: well yeah i'm not sure what the numbers are on what the age range they
2: grow out of it when we
0: watched there is a lot of evidence they say that kids that make it fully through puberty will grow out of this gender dysphoric But I think this speaks more to the indoctrination than actual gender dysphoria. Right, that's what
2: I'm saying. That's why it's weird. Like, oh, at 13, like,
0: no. gender dysphoria may actually be a younger thing that, you know, shows itself. But she makes note that the daughter was 13 and starts having these thoughts. And she makes note that it's pretty odd that she starts having these thoughts right about the same time that three of her closest friends start having these same thoughts. Um, So to us... That sounds exactly like a social contagion, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Just like we've talked about. And we've played that video from Abigail Schreier. Go give it a listen. Watch it with your kids. Um, But she goes on to explain in there, and this is why the schools are so dangerous. Um, She says that the school, without parents' consent, no one ever brought this up to her. um, They started to sit down with her daughter and put her through what the school has. Um, And I would imagine your school at this point has something very similar, but they called it a transgender or non-conforming support plan. And this plan, she makes note, couldn't be shared with parents. Um, The student, and as I would call them the unholy triad of just the school counselor, the assistant principal, and a social worker. We're the only ones that got to go through this support plan.
2: What are they thinking? Like, do they really think, oh, all of a sudden, 13-year-olds are all having gender dysphoria. Like, really, like, what are they thinking? Do they really think it's just some strange thing, like, that popped out of nowhere, like, like COVID?
0: <laughs> I don't know how grown adults come to the place where they're, this makes sense in their brain. I'm going to, I mean, outside of a loss of faith in God. I don't know how your mind gets this twisted that, hey, you know what? These kids are having some really difficult times with their gender and their sexuality. Let's not talk to their parents about this.
2: Right. Let's just get them in a room with a bunch
0: of, you know, lesbian, you know, beta males and talk to them about how, you know, maybe at 13, Yeah, bind your breasts and take some puberty blockers and see what happens.
2: If our kids went to school, I encourage all you guys, if you have kids in school, elementary too, I would ask the principal, I'd get involved and ask, what do you guys do? How do you guys handle if a student comes to you and says, you need to go there and like interview them on these, you need to go there. interview them really to see if you want your kid to go there.
0: Right, you should be your school's biggest thorn in their side. Um, Going through every homework assignment. You know, because the thing is, I mean, this is just us. Obviously, we homeschool our kids. So this is not really a concern of ours too much. But I don't know how you would trust somebody that has a mindset that thinks we should all, all these adults should get around to a kid and affirm them in this, you know, transgender ideology they have, without telling their parents, and then you would trust them to teach them anything.
2: You're teaching. I'd be them like, to I be... don't even trust
0: that you know math properly. I don't want Why you talking you... to my kid about
2: right adverbs
0: and what kind of history would you teach them? Lord only knows, right? So I wouldn't trust them to teach my kid anything.
2: You're teaching your kids not to trust their own parents.
0: Yeah, if you don't believe in truth. I don't really want you teaching my kid anything, so very bizarre. But she goes on in there to discuss, you know, how these teachers in this transgender support plan, um, they discuss with the daughter uh, what bathroom she wanted to use, what pronouns she wants to use, and how the teachers would use the students' preferred pronouns and their preferred names in classes. But the more wicked part, they would do that in class with the student. But around the parents, they would use the legal names. Um, they would make sure not to give any evidence that they were helping their kid so, along in this gender affirmation.
2: How many teachers? I bet this would go out it. to
0: all teachers.
2: If Okay, if I was a teacher at these schools and I knew other teachers were doing it, I would, I would risk my job. And I would contact all the parents. I would put out an email to to all the parents.
0: This goes back to that love of self and self-idolatry where we don't want to rock the boat, right? We're materialists. We care about our jobs, our money more than the kids. So, yeah, in theory, you'd be like, why don't more of them stand up? Well, because their jobs are on the line. So your kid and their future means far less than my next paycheck. I got that vacation on the cruise line coming up this winter. Can't afford to lose my job right now, right? Or the more awful, um, I guess, thought would be they all just agree with it. Why wouldn't they support it? Why wouldn't they do it? Because they support the gender um, ideology woke mindset, right? That's the more dangerous part. Um, But again, they would use different names, different pronouns around just the student or the parents to make sure that the parents weren't aware of what was happening, that they were indoctrinating your kid behind your back. Um, And really, I think this speaks to just such a level of arrogance for these like, yeah, people that hold this gender affirmation, ideology, you know, that somehow they know what's best for your child, and that you're really just getting in the way You know, you old fuddy-duddy, you old hick, religious parent, you don't get it. So we're going to do it without your permission, without your knowledge. And it's just really, I think, a sinful level of pride and arrogance.
2: Oh, gosh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just thinking about how I would be acting. Like if, yeah, if that was me, I would be going in there making a scene. I would have...
0: I wouldn't give a neighbor's kid or a school kid a Mountain Dew <laughs> without their parent saying it's okay for them to have pop, let alone going, yeah, if you bind your breasts with this. But
2: everybody's but take truth it off now. But you go home. Yeah, everybody's truth these days is do what makes you happy. So if that makes you happy, but you can't let your parents know that that makes you happy because they'll steal your happiness.
0: <laughs> yeah, those parents are just trying to steal your happiness. but. There was another mom that they interview in there. I think her name's Tiffany Justice, and she mentioned um, how kids in her school district—and she might have been in Virginia, it escapes me now—but how they were asked to declare their preferred pronouns openly in class. You know, so they were sort of putting these kids on the spot to announce their pronouns, but then also sort of propagandizing them, right? Hey, look at all your friends—they have some confusion. It's okay to be confused. Everybody goes through this, right? So maybe you want to just try being called Sally for a little while. See if it fits you. Um, But it's just wicked, right?
2: I mean, kids think it's silly. They're going to go along
0: with it, you know? Well, this is how you get into the place where they're like, I'm a cat. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, as long long as we're not writing papers. Sure, I'll go along
2: with this. This is more fun. Interesting.
0: (laughs) So the last part of this that we want to highlight, and they're not terribly long episodes, but... Um, it's a metaphor that one lady made. Um, So I'm just going to try to play some of it. And let me see where it is. Yeah, I'll just play it the metaphor that she gives, because I think it's a, uh, I think it's a good metaphor. And we'll just talk about it once she's done.
4: So when you are in a disembodied state, (laughs) um, you are kind of a vacant house. And you know the the metaphor of the vacant house goes a little something like this: if there is a, a vacant house on on you know at the end of the block, and it might have a giant, massive barbed wire fence around it, and yet you are going to see that kids are going to break in and hold their parties there. Drug dealers are going to break in and hold their business there. You know, kids are going to throw bottles through the window. People are going to litter over the yard. Because despite the massive barrier, everyone can see that the house, it's a vacant house. Contrast that with, you know, a house on the other side of the block that, you know, the grass is mowed, the lights are on, there's curtains in the window, there's flowers in the planter blocks. This house doesn't have a fence at all. And yet no one violates it because everyone can see that that someone is managing and caring for the house. It's fully occupied.
0: Yeah, so the vacant house metaphor and, you know, when I was hearing this, the lesson that Christ teaches in Luke 11 is what came to my mind. So do you want to just read it, honey, verses 24 through 26?
2: When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. It says... I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first.
0: Yeah. So this obviously isn't an exact parable. You know, Jesus is talking about casting out demons um, and that sort of thing. But I just think the idea of, Kids being empty or vacant houses, like she says, and you know, so many in this country have either lost the faith or they just never had the faith. Um, and we've really discussed on here a lot of times. Even those who might consider to be faithful, um, they really lack any kind of you know real and genuine faith. It would seem. Um, so these kids, in many respects, they are vacant houses, and they're looking to be filled up with something. You know, so many of these kids are looking for an identity. They're looking for something that's bigger than them, um, and they feel empty and hollow inside. And the problem is, if we don't fill them with the Holy Spirit and God's word, you know, the godless left, who's really eager, it seems, to be um, filling them, right? They will fill them with their own sick and perverse um, ideologies and these sorts of things. And, I think in some sense, because those adults are vacant houses, this gives them a sense of purpose.
2: They definitely have demons. Yeah. Definitely. I just, I don't know. I mean, if it's just, if it is demonic or if it's just depravity,
0: I don't know. I mean, it's certainly demonic. I mean, these are doctrines of demons to be leading kids down this path of um, butchery and, you know, really just the idea that, so many of these people that get into these sexually immoral lifestyles and this sort of stuff, especially once you start attaching pride and self-identity to yeah. this, boy, the odds that they break free from that have got to be just minuscule. Um, but this is why largely, and we've said so many times, we warn about sending kids to these indoctrinate uh, indoctrination centers. You know, we so, highly recommend, and we understand the difficulty um, of getting them home, homeschooling your kids. Now, we get the difficulty. We had kids in school that we pulled out of school, and it was not easy. It was we complain.
2: not. We do have to explain to them well, a lot of things. Like-
0: not only do they complain, but it's not very cost effective. We don't have as much disposable income, you know. And
2: that's okay because we're fine. We
0: have Nikki who largely she may work, you know, a handful of times, but she doesn't have a full-time job or anything which in today's, you know, economy is not great. But that's where your kids need to be. They need to be home. Um you need to be filling them with the word of God.
2: They really need to I know it's a bad term, but sheltered.
0: Oh, they, they need, need to, to live sheltered. a sheltered
2: life. They need to be they need to be protected. And I know that's always been a term thrown around like I want your kid to be sheltered. Like, yeah, you do.
0: Yeah, that whole term of like helicopter that. parent was a bad term. Not to us. You should be a helicopter parent. You'd be Like, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are they saying? Whose house are you going I don't to? I think we're
2: helicopter enough. And I'm like, worn out. And I'm like, I need to do better. But it's still like,
0: <laughs> and I mean, you can do little things, you know, like we've talked about when we share you know, the podcast, the the videos that we recommend on here, we've sat down and watched them with our kids, so yeah. they're aware of what the other side is doing. and then we can have discussions about it, which is interesting to have discussions about gender ideology with a nine-year- old. Yeah, right, Because they don't even know what this is, but you're like, we have to at least start making you aware because other people are going to if we don't. Um, and like we've said before, at least in my opinion, the real revolution is not going to your school boards, shouting at the school board members, or even running for the school board yourself. Right. Um, The real revolution is getting your kids out of these indoctrination centers, getting them home, getting your wife home, getting her out of a, you know, corporate career mindset, getting her in the home where God designed her to be training your children up in the way they should go. In the admonition of the Lord, right? People
2: have to be willing to have less to
0: Well, that's not absolutely what you need to do.
2: Is expensive cars and this bigger houses and all this. It's like that's a sacrifice you have to make and are your kids worth it? Really, is what it comes down to. Like if you let go of that stuff, if that's the lifestyle you want and in order to keep that lifestyle, does your wife have to work. Does she want that lifestyle too? It's not that the man's just making or do obviously. But if she no, wants to stay home with the shift kids, for women. You have to be that's extreme. That's an extreme idea, honestly, to just say, oh, we're gonna have to move. We're gonna have to move into a different neighborhood. We're gonna have to have a smaller house and yeah. Aren't your kids worth it? Like when you really break it down like that, you're doing it if it's possible. In order for you to be home with your kids, you have no excuse.
0: No, I mean, again, we live in a awfully depraved nation. It's going to take extreme measures. I mean, it took Paul being stoned nearly to death and then walking back into town to continue to preach to spread the gospel, right? It wasn't like, well, I mean, stop by my house. i have a cup of coffee with you, tell you about Jesus. It, it, it took a lot more extreme measures than that right to spread the good news and i think those are discussions we have to have
2: um that's our love of money it is the love of money the root of all evil it just that's what it comes down to living lavishly
0: materialism is killing us believers just the same as non-believers well the
2: prosperity gospel
0: well certainly the prosperity gospel doesn't
2: tell you to stop dreaming big. They don't teach you that dreaming big means having less so you can stay home with your kids.
0: Well, and like, even just believing, not believing the lie anymore of, you know, whatever the feminist movement has taught us that, you know, somehow women are supposed to be attaching themselves to their self identity, their self worth and these sorts of things from climbing the corporate ladder and being a career woman well, and they these sorts make a of name things. for
2: themselves it's pride.
0: Again, we've got to return back, right? And um, go back to finding our identity in Christ. Um, You know, valuing our families, those sorts of things above our own self desires and all that. And I mean, again, obviously, it's not an easy mindset shift. um, But I think it's a important one. I think, again, that's where the revolution is won. It is Um, not by half measures, not by um you know baby steps i mean you really got to go to war with the spirit of the age and push back on uh, how we've been indoctrinated how we've been propagandized for so many years in our lives to think that you know somehow freedom comes from shipping your kids off to a public learning institution so that both parents can go sit for 50 hours a week behind a computer screen while someone else raises their kid But hey, you get to take a two week vacation once a year, right? Like, that's not the right way. That's not God's intention um, for a family. So no, that's the revolution, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, just training them up.
2: When you know you can take control of your own kids, at least, you might not make a difference. Have a name for yourself anywhere else. At least make a name for yourself, for your kids you know, you made a difference for them. And then hopefully, they'll carry it on. It'll multiply, hopefully, they'll have a bunch of kids and they'll raise train your kids up to raise them wisely like that, the way you do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's having a heavenly and eternal mindset rather than a, you know, worldly momentary mindset. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's our revolution, right? Getting your kids out of these government-approved indoctrination centers um, where they're really being raised up to be self-serving, materialistic, Mm -hmm. you know, slaves, if you want to call them that, to these global corporations. I mean,
2: they're going to school, and their plan for them is for them to... To be in debt. They want them to be slaves forever. I mean, go watch
0: Borrowed Future, we recommended last week. I think go watch that and see what these global corporations think of your kids. Um, They're just, they're paydays. That's really about it. The same thing as the gender affirmation industry. These kids are paydays for these people. Um, That's really about as far as it goes. So, do you have any last thoughts on the election? this podcast. It's a great podcast. It's short, very informative. Um, Do you have any thoughts on any of that before we roll into the Bible topic? Let's
2: get to the Bible topic.
0: All right. So you guys know we're making our way through the assurances of salvation. Like we said, Um, we've already covered the road to salvation. And if you're interested in finding that, you can go find it on our uh, show page. It'll be there on the channel somewhere. But we're on point number three. So, do you want to read, honey, for us? First John chapter two, verse three.
2: And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments.
0: Yep, sure. It's pretty simple. Su- yeah. <laughs> simple. And I will include down in the show notes if you want to go and look at it, uh, a list of all of Christ's commands. I don't know exactly how accurate it is. I haven't gone line by line to scrutinize it. So it's kind of just a for reference only um, do your own homework and verify these. But it's good to just kind of see what Christ has commanded us to do. Um, you know, it's more than just, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, right? It's um, not
2: Just being nice was Votie, the 11th commandment.
0: Yeah, and then forget That's the first 10.
2: Yeah, just be nice. That's but we love. do know,
0: obviously, <laughs> the greatest command, right, that Jesus um, sums up. And I think a lot of times we forget the first part of the command and we only focus on the second, right? Um, But the first command, the more important command is to love the Lord your God um, or the Lord our God, the Lord, I'll just read what he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. So that is the first command. We always get these sort of mixed up or we think they're sort of the, you know, same command. That's, that's not, (laughs) that's the first command.
2: So the first command is to love God. And how do we know we love him? We keep his commands. We keep his
0: commands. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbors yourself. Very important but it's not first, <laughs> right? So yeah, it's, you know, I think in our society, we've got those flipped.
2: I think we do walk yeah. in
0: love, judge, not lest ye be judged, love your brother, treat each other the way you want to be treated. No, don't lose sight that number one is to love the Lord your God. We do that. And we know that we're doing that we show that we do that or that we're doing that by keeping his commands. Yeah. Um, so and again, we've kind of, we talked about this as we were going through these, some of these, are fairly close in how they're described. So you might say, ah, well, we've kind of talked about this the same as in, you know, point one or whatever. It's okay
2: to repeat things because they all fit together.
0: Right. They all fit together and they're repeated for a reason. Um, So just like, again, kind of point one, adhering to Christ's commands, right? That's our assurance of salvation. But that's also got to be part of our gospel message. You can't lose sight of that. When we're preaching the gospel to somebody, it's not just say a quick prayer and Jesus will save you and have a nice life. No, it's adherence to his command. So, um, and I actually heard this um, in a video. I can't remember what the video is now, so I can't put it up here for you guys. Um, but the guy was saying basically, believing is faith, believing is faith. That's how you know. Do you believe? Then you have faith. Um, If you believe in Jesus, boom, there's your faith. That was his point. That's salvation. Um, And I just disagree with that. You know, I think um, if you go to James chapter two, verse 19, he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder, right? But what's, I think he says before this, is the important part Um, here in verse 18. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Um, So he's saying, just believing is faith. And he's saying, oh, you do have faith? Let me see it. (laughs) Don't just go, I believe. Yeah, I got it. You said that already.
3: Yeah, we can't just be so gullible.
0: Right, Right. because we do say, well, I guess the demons have faith. Because they believe in Jesus, no, they can't have faith, right. right? They're beyond redemption, you know. So James, who is Jesus's brother, right? He's not saying obviously here that Christianity is a works works-based, works-based faith, works based faith. But what he is saying, you know, is if you have faith, let me see the evidence of that faith, right? Are you adhering to Christ's teachings? Are you adhering to Scripture? Because simply saying you believe. Really means nothing. Again, we have sixty-five percent of this country, right, that says that they're Christian, but only six percent have a biblical worldview. You know, over f- what forty-five to fifty percent of this country supports abortion. Um, you know, all you, what do you believe? Let me see some faith. Yeah. Right? Are you putting your faith into action?
2: Yeah, we um, don't see any works backing it up. So we can conclude Um, a lot of people who say they're Christians are not Christian, which yeah, is very sad.
0: People say all kinds of things, you know, that they claim to believe, but you have no evidence in, right? I mean, how many guys have told a girl or how many girls have told a guy that they love each other? We're so in love, right? Only to like break up with them or go cheat on them. So obviously what they said wasn't true, <laughs> because if you loved them, you wouldn't have done that. Um, and the same goes for our faith. So you just can't, I think, simply say belief equals faith. I don't think they're the same thing. Um, So again, here in Luke chapter four, verse 33 through 34. Do you want to read that, honey? um oh.
2: And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God.
0: Yeah, you know, so again, are we going to say the demons are saved because they believe in Jesus? Um, No, they believe in him. So what? Are they doing what he's commanded? You say you believe in him. So what? <laughs> right?
2: And you can't say like, oh, well, you know, they're spirits. So of course they know. And, but God has revealed himself to all people. Like they don't have an advantage because they have been around longer. And we, we're all on like level ground. You know what I mean? Like nobody has an advantage in saying, well, I know God because or I saw Jesus face to face. Because God has revealed himself.
0: Right. I mean, even, you know, the rich young ruler, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? Do this and adhere to this command. Nope. Well, he knew Jesus was a good teacher, right? He, you know, and Judas obviously knew Jesus. Yeah. Right. It didn't matter, right? Are you bearing the fruit? Um, Are you following the commands? And more importantly, not out of obligation. But are you doing it out of love? I
2: was just going to say, yes, it's love.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're called to be obedient, but love should be drawing us to obedience, not simple obligation. So, you know, really, you know, reading the Bible, it isn't difficult. Atheists, adherence to other false religions, they've all read the Bible, right? It's not hard. It's a book. And I wouldn't even say that it's necessarily hard to believe what the Bible says. Again, 65% of this country claims to believe what the Bible says. Um, And again, we believe all sorts of wild things. Um, We just had, again, (laughs) millions and millions of Americans voting, you know, to believe or voting in the belief that allowing women to murder their children is somehow moral. So we believe all sorts of crazy things. The difficulty in the Christian faith is in the doing. That's where the difficulty of the faith comes. Um, And that's what really leads you to be hated. You know, people can believe in Christianity and do nothing about it. and You're harmless. Who cares? But it's once you actually start calling people to a standard, adhering to a standard yourself, that you really become off-putting to people that don't like that.
2: And it's crazy because it's the church that's going to hate us more than unbelievers because they're clinging to their faith and they hate that we're saying, yeah, you don't look like it. They don't want to be judged, but it's loving fruit to point them to scripture and warn, yeah, we need to warn them. They don't want to be warned.
0: No, because, you know, doing what the Bible commands us to do that's the part that trips everybody up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's what we're commanded to do. You know, we're commanded again to keep the commandments as um, you know, John told us is an assurance for us. In mm-hmm. James chapter one, verse 22, he tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. You're yeah. deceived if you're a hearer only.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting. He says deceiving yourselves. Like nobody's deceiving you. You're deceiving yourself because you know the word. And I was just thinking about Eve said that the serpent deceived her. So she believed his words and she acted on them. And we deceive ourselves by hearing God's word, hearing his voice, and not acting. So if you truly believe, then you act. So believing and not doing is being double-minded, really. Um, and God's not going to have someone who isn't all in. He says in Matthew 15, These people draw near to me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus was quoting there, the Old Testament. But yeah, we. I mean... Right there, draw near with their mouths, but their hearts are far. And we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. So.
0: No, for sure. Um, And, you know, we mentioned it, I think, many times here. um, The sort of often forgot message from Christ in his great commission, you know, to make disciples of all nations. We all know that part right? But there's more to it, right? Mm-hmm. He tells them to teach them to obey all my commands. Yeah, that is part of that same commission. Yeah. So when you're telling someone to, you know, call out on Jesus and invite him into your heart, you also need to be saying and adhere to all of his commands. Um, we just yeah. seem to sort of forget that very integral part of the Great Commission. Um, Because again, how do you know if someone is a disciple, if they're keeping his commands? Just saying, no, I believe as you're walking into the strip club, you know, getting hammered drunk for the third night in a row, are they keeping the commands? Well, a disciple
2: means someone who's following a leader. You don't follow someone by just saying, I believe, I believe on them. You don't look like you're following them. You don't look like you believe them. You believe on them. Why aren't you following? You can't call yourself a disciple if you're not following that leader's teaching. You're not learning. You're just saying, oh, well, I believe. But you're not learning. If you're learning, you're you're changing.
0: Right, and that's, <laughs> you know, been a shortcoming, I think, in many areas of Christian church that we grew up in. Yeah, You know, that some, you know, kind of that, you know, as we would call it, the cheap grace you want to call it hyper grace kind of thing where, you know, you just say it and it's true and you'll get in by the skin of your teeth kind of a thing. You don't read that in scripture. You read, you'll know that you're saved if you adhere to his commands. So if you don't adhere to his commands, you have reason to question. Um, You know, we're told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling um, so if you're not adhering to these things, you should be a little bit fearful and <laughs> be like, Oh, yeah, you know, I don't do what I'm commanded to do in scripture. I don't love the poor. I don't take care of the orphans and widows. I'm, you know, I don't love my enemies, right? All these sorts of things.
2: I mean, you I don't really take care of the that. children. Let's get back to the abortion topic. Yeah. If you're a Christian and you don't take care of the children
0: <laughs> in yeah, that you respect, you be uh, praying if, if that's you. So, um,
2: scary.
0: That is point number three. Uh, we'll read it again. And by this, we know that we have come to know Him. This is how we know that we have come to know Him. If we keep His commands, First John chapter two verse three. And we all need help there. Me and Nikki need just as much help and yes. prayer as anybody under the sun. But this is why we pray. This is why the Helper came. Um, this is why he dwells in us so that we can adhere to these commands. So
2: and it's just so easy we talk about all these major sins in the world. What's wrong with most Americans who profess to be Christians and it's so easy. You know, you feel like you know, you're talking about all oh, at least I don't do that. At least I don't support abortion and all this. It's that doesn't make me look like a better Christian or be. A better Christian than anybody else. Those are the big you. Those are the planks, <laughs>
0: like right. And I think it's important to just mention on here. We've mentioned it before, but like, and sometimes because we're talking in generalities, we're not talking about everybody else besides us that somehow falls into this camp. And we're not mi- trying to make the point that we somehow don't also fall into these camps, right? Um, but you can't, you know, we'd have a whole show out of just nugging out specific you know, people groups and, you know, these sorts of things, if you weren't just making generalizations. So obviously, if this doesn't fit you, it doesn't fit you. Um, if you're adhering to the commands, well done, you know, teach others to do the same. We try the best we can, we still need to make um,
2: yeah, we all you know, need- large
0: strides, just like everybody else. So again, this is that sharpening of each other. Um, you know, look yourself in the mirror, open the scripture, search your heart, Cry out to God. I think Let it's him the issue it to you.
2: It isn't really like saying, you know, I don't have sin. You know, the issue of sin and we can talk about it, but this is an issue. Evil being called good and and good being called evil. So we're not just calling out people's sins. This is different. This is totally different than just saying this person's dealing with this sin and that sin. Like, no, this is good being called evil and evil being called good. This is like the last day's stuff we're talking about here.
0: It is. But at and- the same
2: time, I'm just saying we, at the same time, like we have to guard our own heart or, you know, take heed lest we fall. Not that we're going to fall in that category. Cause that's, you know, I don't see myself falling into that category. Like that's obvious. That's murder. That's hatred of children, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to fall into any other, you know, Seemingly lesser sins. We still, as we talk about sin and evil, we always have to be on guard. Take heed, lest we fall.
0: Right, and it's also important, you know, Paul. I think you know in Galatians he classifies sexual immorality and murder in the same category, both of which will not be in the kingdom of heaven. Right, right. So, you know, not to say, yeah, so somehow, yeah, you supported abortion. And all I do is, you know, get angry and shout curse words at my kids. It's not the same. I'm better. No. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Right. We've all fallen short of the holiness of a perfect and righteous God. Yeah. Um, But also, you know, don't let yourself be so offended that you don't accept the correction. Mm
3: -hmm. You know,
0: I think that's a hugely American problem. As soon as somebody says something, we go, that's so offensive. Instead of going is that something I'm dealing with? Boy, that really hit me hard. You know, it really got me shaken up. Maybe I should ponder that thought a little instead if of somebody... just going, I'm offended. I'm not listening anymore. Right? That's a, we don't want to be those kind of people. We If wanna... somebody
2: points something out, it's probably true. And if And if you don't see it, pray like, Lord, if that's true, help me to see it and help me to thank this brother or sister. Nikki always tells me
0: she's like, man, you just you look so muscular and strong. And I'm like, Oh, come on, give it a rest. But you know what, maybe it's just true. (laughs) It's probably just true. And I just got to accept it. I'm just kidding. So um, we'll give you guys our sermon rec recommendation. Obviously, it's going to be the podcast that we were just talking about gender indoctrination links will be in the show notes. Go give it a listen listen to it with your kids, listen to it with your spouse um, and have a discussion about it because it's important stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, if you're not talking to your kids about this, the risk is somebody else will, and they will be coming at it from the satanic side of the house. And you don't want to be playing catch up on a topic like this. So that is all we got for you guys today. Um, We'll be back on Monday with our devotionals going through the gospel of Luke. And we'll be back next week saturday with um assurance of salvation number four and episode two in this podcast um, discussing that stuff so till next time god bless
4: save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app